you know, high school was horrible for me. That was, that is my memory of high school. Visceral pain. And then I get to have this art expression, which came from another adversity. It's amazing how adversity can be the key to revelation, self-discovery, and creativity and innovation. And that would happen for me. And out of desperation, I thought, I'm going to paint. There's this whole new expression of me. It's like I've stepped out of a cage I didn't know that I was in, and I'm seeing life for the first time. Hi, I'm Claire, founder of Creativity Found, a community for creative learners and educators, connecting adults who want to find a creative outlet with the artists and crafters who can help them do so with workshops, courses, online events and kits. For this podcast, I chat with people who have found or re-found their creativity as adults. We'll explore their childhood experiences of the arts, discuss how they came to the artistic practices they now love, and consider the barriers they may have experienced between the two. We'll also explore what it is that people value and gain from their newfound artistic pursuits, and how their creative lives enrich their practical, necessary, everyday lives. For this episode, I'm speaking with Leanne Tibiatowski, who, despite living close to the ocean in San Diego, for a long time couldn't bring herself to get into the water, something she had loved doing as a child. When she joined a surf therapy group, she stumbled across a healing activity and supportive community. But when the ocean was closed during the COVID lockdowns, she had to find a new way to stay calm. And a surprising form of artistic expression started to literally flow out of her. Hi, Leanne. Hi, Claire. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Your new creative outlet is quite original. How do you express yourself? I find great delight in painting surfboards, upcycled boards primarily. So I um, find boards in my community and let these designs flow through. Brilliant. The flow, I know, is a very important part of your work now. But let's go back to childhood. Did you have a creative childhood at home or at school? Yes, I would say for sure, in different ways other than art. My mother was very and is very aligned with music. So I grew up playing the piano, singing in choirs, and, you know, for 12 years studied piano. My dad, on the other hand, was very into nature. So we were spending a lot of time in nature, which is ultimately will become the inspiration for the art that flows through me. My grandfather was very connected to the earth and crystals and gems and was a jewelry maker on the side. And so I did have this around me in my childhood and I feel blessed. Music, nature, and transforming things of nature into into art, wearable art. And did you have a means to do that? And did you get to continue that at school or college? When I started college, I wanted to be an art major. I felt it. 
I wanted it. I've always had a very strong creative pulse running through me. So I started taking art classes and, you know, I had a piece that was in a jewelry showing at my community college, very abstract, very linear, very black and white pen and ink. Yet ultimately I would not choose to continue with an art major because at that time in my life, the critiques hurt, physically hurt. And I thought to myself, I can't imagine producing this way from my heart to have it just be broken down, cut down. And so, so I went a different direction completely. What was that direction? It went all over the place Um, (laughs) because I became a single mom right after I graduated from college. I, I ultimately got a communications degree fascinated with the study of how communication works between humans and groups and really find that art in and of itself and ultimately would apply that love of communication into my professional life as a writer and um, producer of events. So I had it from a different angle always. Was the work that you were doing, was it led by necessity perhaps rather than desire or a bit of both? Were you able to do things that you wanted to do or were you just, I've I've got to work? I 100% had to work. I was a single income, single mom. And so I had to hustle to provide and I worked very hard to identify, identify places that I could find my employment that I still felt passion for. And the passion would be in creating experiences for people and um, using creativity, but I had to build my strength. I had to present myself as the linear the organizer, the project manager, the producer, all of those skills that might not be the frontline skills for a creative and a visionary, those became what I became very good at, which allowed me to eke in my creativity. Ultimately, I would bust through and be able to create a lot as I as I moved along in my career from, you know, working in a magazine, I was not hired to be on the edi- editorial team but I presented my ideas and I offered to copy proof and then I would get to write. Um, I worked in the nonprofit sector as a program director for um, a bereavement program that helped families navigate the loss of a child and young women in leadership development. And as a program director, I was doing a lot of the producing and the administrative and the connecting and the, the details yet I would get to create curriculum and create and design event experiences and branding um, pieces. So I would be expressing myself that way, which helped me survive the need to be an earner in a way that almost filled the need of wanting to fully express myself. Yeah, I completely understand. I know exactly where you're coming from. You mentioned there that you worked in leadership and bereavement programs for young girls. 
And you've told me in the past that you were compelled to help them have a better experience than you did. What do you mean by that? That was specifically for the Young Women's Leadership Program. This was with the Jenna Drex Center, a very uh, influential part of my career where I got to oversee this program that was very social, emotional based in how we were imparting leadership on these girls with these girls from all corners of San Diego. And I just always was, you know, high school was horrible for me. That was, that is my memory of high school, visceral pain, you know, and I think of discomfort. And so I, my driver was always, I'm gonna, if I can help it be just a little bit more comfortable for these girls than it was for me, then I'm doing a service that's meaningful to me. And I would do that through communication teaching communication, breaking down barriers, helping women, young women, and the women that would come and mentor, step into their authentic voice and authentic selves, padded with art experiences, music experiences to make it have that cool factor that would appeal to them. It it took me a long time to realize what the true nature of that deep drive in me to make it better for others and it was great self-realization for me when that happened. When I really think about that time in my career where I was so driven to help these young women, in that moment, I thought it was just because of the nature of high school for everybody, that for everybody, it's such a difficult experience at times, fitting in, finding a sense of belonging, um, feeling confident in yourself. You know, it's such a big developmental stage where we step into ourselves. Um, I later find out in my lifetime that there was actually a, a, a rooted key moment that I wasn't, I couldn't see And that was around a sexual assault that happened when I was in high school that I told no one about, that I hadn't processed. So my brain was working very hard all of my life to protect me from that, yet my protecting self was very strong. So in that work, padded in creativity, that was all about pointing these young women to creativity, I would start to feel the bubbling of this past trauma in me. And is that the point at which that past trauma came to the forefront of your thinking and you realized that was when you what you needed to address? Was it at that time or was there do you think there was something else specific that triggered a revisiting to that trauma? It was Definitely not that time because I I didn't have an intellectual awareness. You know, I would start to because I was working with teenagers and I have a son who was entering the age of when that incident happened to me. So my body was remembering a lot and I started to have some intellectual remembering of what happened to me, but not processing it. There's a big difference between intellectually knowing something 
bad happened or that a trauma happened or, or anything really, and actually going through it. So my brain, the trauma response of our brilliant brains is to protect us and to do whatever it can to keep us from re-experiencing pain again. And my brain was brilliant. <laughs> it would take a secondary incident that would happen a few years after that to really um, blow the doors off of my life and the protection mechanism and actually open the door to my creativity. If you've heard me banging on about the Creativity Found Collective on this show, but are still not sure what it is or if it's right for you, why not jump onto a one-to-one online coffee chat with me and we can talk about your small business and how the Creativity Found promotional and networking membership could help you and your enterprise to thrive. Visit creativityfound.co.uk slash join us or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and book a date and time for us to get together. See you soon. So when you say that that door was closed, and I know I'm not talking about processing here, I'm talking about actually remembering. So for me to understand, did you did you consciously completely block it out? Did your body say, I'm going to forget this for you? Uh, I'm trying to understand. Yeah, it is a complex thing. And the way that the brain protects us, it's powerful. and um, it's taken me a while to learn. I am a trauma support specialist now. So I've had the opportunity in my own trauma recovery to get to understand this. So for me in my situation, I was 15 years old and my group of my classmates assaulted me and I told no one. And from that moment on, the way that I perceived myself and the world around me changed. Because I did not receive help, that memory was frozen and it would come in and interfere my perceptions throughout life. And when I would start to think about it, my brain would shut it off. There'd be ways to disassociate from the memory that was automatically happening from my nervous system, not consciously. One time, a decade later, I had a visual memory, and that was when I started practicing meditation, and I saw it. And nobody, the people I told didn't really have anything, suggestions for me, and I, it hurt, and I just kept going. People, we just keep going, right? That's what our, our cultures tell us is just keep going, you know, get over it. And it would be another, you know decade before I would start thinking about it again. And that was when I was, my own child was becoming a teenager and I was working with these adolescents and it started to rumble again, rumbling, rumbling, rumbling up, but only intellectually. And that's incomplete for us to truly integrate the things that happen to us. We go through them, however painful and however scary going through them is how we can integrate and process. And our brain can actually file that memory then, and it doesn't disturb or distort our perceptions going forward. And so at the time I was working in that program, I still was not 
processing. And um, it would be a decade later, as I mentioned in my life, where I would learn that I did indeed have post-traumatic stress. And that was from a secondary trauma. All of it, I say, is what I had to go through in order for the art to come through. All of these things. So possibly if it weren't for that secondary trauma, you wouldn't have pushed yourself to process the first one, been brave enough to process the first one? It's hard sometimes for me to say yes to that, but that's exactly what I mean. It's hard to say that having something bad and painful happened helped me to grow and evolve and find my true self and to find my self-acceptance and my sense of belonging and my sense of safety and to open more freely and more innocently to the joy in life and the pleasures in life. It's hard to say that that required me to have a second traumatic event, but it's true. I had no choice because I was experiencing delayed onset post-traumatic stress. And the only way out of that was either to succumb to it, to medicate myself, to cover it up, or to go through it. And because I had lived in disconnection from myself for most of my life, I was determined to do that without covering myself up with medication and without pushing it away. So when I had the second trauma, which was going in for a surgery, and the surgery was a fibroid removal, just for comfort, completely elective, and waking up to a hysterectomy that I did not consent to for a non-life-threatening condition, that was a consent-related situation that just triggered everything that I did not process. And it, it ignited this PTSD in me. And it took me a year before I would discover or realize, even as someone who worked in that bereavement world, which we didn't talk about very much, where I was referring people and working with people and, and running support groups with Folks who were experiencing trauma and PTSD, even with that knowledge, I could not see for a whole year in myself because it is an overwhelmingly painful experience to be in PTSD. It's just exactly like what you would imagine a soldier returning from war and navigating life with that post-traumatic stress in the real world, you know, um, jumping at horns, feeling like the top layer of my skin was off and any, the change in the wind would be painful, fear in my shower, depression, anxiety, like things I'd never had before like that. I was straight up able to apply for disability, but I could not do the paperwork. Navigating the system almost took me down. And that's not how I was going down. That is not how I was going down. I was going to find a way. And um, gratefully, I was able to reconnect with the ocean. The ocean, I wanted to be an oceanographer. 
This is the first thing I ever wanted to be as a child. My dad took us snorkeling and I fell in love with the underwater world. It's so magical and beautiful. And I learned how much math and science an oceanographer would have to do. Let that plane go. (laughs) And so I didn't go that direction, but I had this love affair of the ocean and I got pulled away from the ocean. You know, the assault that I was in, these young men, popular sports, surfing. I just had this association that would start to pull me away and I'd have fear around the ocean. I didn't understand. I still was drawn to it, but didn't go in it. And um, I live five blocks from the beach. And during these years of the PTSD, I would walk up and down the beach, up and down the beach. And, um, you know, growing up in the surf culture and having just about everyone around me surf, I told myself I wanted to feel that feeling just once, to ride a wave just once. And I was able to go down to Todos Santos in Mexico and ride a wave. And I became instantly addicted. The feeling, the liberation, the freedom, um, the joy, I had to feel it again. And it took me a while because when I came home, I was back in this land where there's all these surf guys and, you know, perceptions that my brain hadn't processed yet that would trigger all this fear. I didn't know who would teach me. It took me a few months and the universe dropped in a surf therapy group right on my local beach for women navigating trauma, Groundswell Community Project. And through an eight-week program, I was able to learn to surf More than that, way more important than that was through surfing, I was able to face myself, to see what my brain was doing, to uh, find my freedom through being able to see the trauma and integrate it in a way that included joy, helped me to see that I did belong, helped me to find courage. You know, there's plenty of science that shows us when we are in, on, or around the water, our nervous systems shift, our happiness increases. So, you know, trauma recovery is not always that fun. It's generally a very lonely experience, including, you know, the talk therapy, which can be very valuable, of course, but to find something that reconnected me to the ocean, that pointed me to home, home of the sea, but home to myself. And as I've become more at home and comfortable in my body, resolving the traumas of my past, there's this whole new expression of me. It's like I've stepped out of a cage I didn't know that I was in, and I'm seeing life for the first time. And what's coming into my life and through me as I relate to the world around me from more of a sense of feeling safe. Like imagine not feeling safe your whole life and not realizing it. So now I come from a place of more self-acceptance, more self-love, a sense of safety around me. I'm able to regulate when my body has remembrances that aren't quite integrated yet. I can see it and be with it. And so now it's like, oh my gosh, I feel the pulse of life in such a fresh new way. 
And then I get to have this art expression, which came from another adversity. It's amazing how adversity can be the key to revelation, self-discovery, and creativity and innovation. And that would happen for me just, just recently, as you know. I think it's all very symbolic and, and it all follows a, a wavy pattern that gets to where you are now. So yes, do tell us about, because I mean, I've seen your artwork, absolutely amazing, amazing stuff. Tell us about how you started that. I'm in awe of this whole process. And so as we all have experienced, COVID hit and life changed for everyone in many different ways. About a year and a half ago, I was laid off from my job. And I thought to myself, I'm going to surf. I get to be off of the grind and I get to surf. I'm just going to surf, surf, surf. I don't know what this is that's happening. They're saying two weeks, um, but I'm going to surf. Four days later, the ocean closed. As devastated as I've shared, uh, I made a choice, a personal choice, to not be on medication for PTSD. Just my me medication is the salt water. It is surfing. So when the ocean closed... I had fear rise in me. This was a great test because I couldn't get my medication. You know, would everything that I've worked so hard to, to heal start bubbling back up again and take over? I didn't know. And um, in all of the uncertainty and in an environment where all of us didn't feel safe. Um, and I felt desperate and afraid and alone and looking for ways to cope. So I remembered that the, uh, the surf therapy program, the surf therapist that started it before she did surf therapy, she was an art therapist and she modeled this surf therapy program on an art therapy model. And out of desperation, I thought I'm going to paint. <laughs> I'm going to paint. And I had a surfboard in my backyard that my ex had shaped. And it actually was the source of a lot of uh, feelings for me. We, we parted ways right after the hysterectomy. When I didn't know I had PTSD, when it probably wasn't the best time for me to make decisions. And, um, so I had a lot of angst around this board. I couldn't get rid of it. It was hard to keep. And so I had this process alone in my uh, home with this big, beautiful board. And I'm pulling out paint, which, you know, as I said, I was like pen and ink, linear, very harsh, stark work that I would do way, 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 way back in, in the day of that community college time. And so I learned that using these Posca acrylic markers is what people used on the surfboards. And so I got some and I got this board out. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. But what I did do was a lot of healing. And I touched the board and I prepared the board and I began to feel the lines in the board to discover what to paint on it. And I would remember at the same time who made the board 
And um, I had tears on this board, not tears of upset, but just like releasing and releasing and appreciating. And I started painting turtles. I didn't even know I could paint turtles and this colorful, flowy kelp and little line of sea turtles came out and I, I couldn't believe it. I literally showed pictures of it to people because I didn't know where it came from. But what I did know was that I found a piece and I was able to find this calm appreciation for the significant person in my life who made the board. You know, I was able to see the beauty in that and, and, and transform something that was painful, my environment around me in that moment with the pandemic and, you know, my, my lost love um, into this beautiful board. And they haven't stopped flowing since. It just is flowing and flowing. And I look at them. I'm in awe that the colors and the flowy vibe comes out. And it's inspiring me to take bold steps. So I realized at one point that through the help of a friend that I was dismissing this art, this expression. Yeah, yeah, I need to get back to work, but I'm doing these boards. Yeah, 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 I need to get back to work. And he paused me to really look at them. And I realized that by dismissing this authentic flow that was expressing through me, I was dismissing my authentic self, my true self. Um, So I made a choice to own it to let it flow, to, to enjoy it, to feel it, to love it. And um, one bold move I made was to enter it into a gallery showing at the Ashton Gallery here in San Diego. And my board was selected to be in the showing. And I entered another one and another one was selected to be in another juried showing. And I just keep saying yes to this flow, yes to the color, Yes to the curvy lines. Yes to allowing what doesn't all the way make sense. I'm not forcing it. I'm not saying I'm going to paint a dolphin because when I do that, an octopus shows up. (laughs) (laughs) So I just let it flow. You know, in life, we can really get attached to what we think is supposed to happen and how it's supposed to happen. And that can block us from what is happening. And so in this pandemic where nothing makes sense and everything is upside down, I started focusing on where there was flow. Work wasn't flowing. Social connection wasn't flowing, but this art was and is flowing. So I'm going with it. I'm dropping in as, as we would say in surfing, you know, and that's a scary part of surfing is dropping into the wave. But I realized that what's the worst thing that can happen when you drop in is that you can wipe out. And surf therapy, I learned that wiping out, every time I do it, I'm laughing on the other side. I'm smiling. I'm feeling more connected. I'm feeling the stoke. I'm feeling the mana. And that's ultimately what I've named my, my art business is Mermaid Mana. And the tagline is Sea Magic. S-E-A, C-Magic, B-Magic. 
And it's my natural expression that reminded me of the treasure that nature and ocean gives to me. And even when it was taken away from me, it wasn't all the way taken from me. And so when we can, especially in these extraordinarily difficult times, find ways to tap into nature and the things that help us breathe and find peace, only good things can come. At least that's my experience. Your experience is tremendous. There is such a lot to think about there. And of course, it is very positive now. And we've gone back from the very beginning of your story where nature was so important to you and the flow is an important thing. It's it's really, really positive. Do you think now having done it on the boards, you could do it on a different platform? You think about where the board has been before, you know, the people that have used the board. So it helps in your process. But I wonder if this might develop, you might feel freer to try other things. That's a great question. And I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm starting to have people ask me, I have someone asking me to design a sea creature for a tattoo. You know, after going to the trade show that I just was in this past weekend, my first that's launching this brand of Mermaid Mana, I talked to so many people. I had people asking me about murals. I've been asked about electrical boxes. We have a program here. Um, I don't know if you have it where you're at, but there's electrical boxes everywhere and some neighborhoods have programs to paint them, to beautify them. And so these different mediums are coming up and I'm thinking about it and I'm, I'm going to say yes to everything. And my love, my love, my pure joy is working with the boards. It represents so much. There is someone, there's an original artist, the, the board maker, the shaper who took a piece of foam and turned it into something that's aerodynamic. It's scientific and artistic. And I'm mostly painting on used boards. So there's pressure things and um, representations of someone dropping in and taking a chance and riding a wave and feeling the spoke. All of that's very meaningful to me. So like for the tattoo, I'm going to double up. I'm going to, I have a board that I'm going to paint. She wants a a jellyfish. So I'm going to explore jellyfish on this new board and then design one for her. So I'm going to do both. (laughs) I'm taking close-up photos of the sea creatures and um, printing them and matting them and offering those at the trade show. I've been making note cards using close-up photos of the art. So I'm transmuting it into different expressions, all uh, different ways that people can enjoy it. Cause not everybody's going to want a six foot board on their wall. And as I show people in the world, the affirmation that I'm getting is very humbling to see that people really find joy in looking at what is coming out of me. And um, it's, it's humbling, it's calming. And it takes me to this place of gratitude, deep gratitude that I was able to find my peace and I was able to find, you know, make space to actually get help. Mine was an extreme case, but all, all of us humans have our stories, you know, and imagine if we all took a minute to find 
the way to share or access help um, for the, the trials and tribulations that we experience. Perhaps there would be even more beauty in the world. And so if I can speak to that and share a vulnerable story as an extreme example of what happens when you start to heal the wounds that are acquired over a lifetime, or they don't even have to be wounds, just the just the intensity of the life trajectory, being a parent, being a partner, you know, being a professional takes a toll on our hearts and souls. And so the more we can cleanse them and, and heal, the more we op- invite ourselves to open up to express our true selves. Um, I'll keep telling the story. It's, you know, thank you for letting me tell the story. Not at all. It's an absolutely fascinating story. I just wanted to touch with you about the external connections as well because I've seen the photos at the trade show and yeah there are the people that like your work but you're connecting with all the other people at the show and if you think about that culture that you were avoiding and on the sidelines of and now you're right in the center of it and these are your people now that must feel I don't know how does that feel it feels right it feels good. It feels calm. It feels authentic. I feel joyful. I mean, at the trade show, I got to talk to icons in the surf industry and just celebrate, you know, the ocean and um, surfing and talk to other iconic artists that paint on surfboards. I just felt at home. And I feel at home more than I ever have in my life, just in my body. And it's, I'm just so grateful. I could have made it, I could have gone through my whole entire life cycle without having this recovery. And to have the chance to be able to actually step into surfing and have all these other discoveries and expressions open up, I am eternally grateful so grateful and i am just grinning from ear to ear here how can people connect with you there's a few ways i i love to post on instagram and you can find me at mermaid mana art that's m-a-n-a mermaid mana art i have a website that's under construction right now so um I got it up for the trade show was really the impetus for getting this brand up and I'm refining a lot of things right now, but there is a contact form that you can, that I will be very happy to respond to anyone either by Instagram messages or on mermaidmonaart.com. If anyone's interested in the story of my recovery um, and surf therapy and the mental health aspect, I have a website. It's in I N the number two clarity into clarity.com. And, um, you know, sometimes hearing uh, explicit recounting of a story like that can bring things up for people. I invite anyone to reach out to me. I'll answer questions and offer any re- resources that I have. And I'd love to talk art too. Thank you for speaking with me. It's been absolutely wonderful to hear your story. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much many mahalos (laughs) thank you thank you 
Thanks so much for listening to Creativity Found. I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained some value from it. If you did, perhaps you'd like to contribute a small monetary sign of appreciation, either by becoming a regular supporter from as little as $3 per month using the link in the show notes, or if you're listening on a value-for-value-enabled app, such as Fountain, TrueFans or Podverse, feel free to send a few sats my way. I also occasionally promote products that I personally use, so please use the affiliate link where relevant if you are buying from those fine companies. Thanks so much, I really appreciate it. When I created the Creativity Found website and the collective membership, I had no previous knowledge regarding the technical aspects of making an idea into a reality, a bit like when I started this podcast. I came across Kajabi, which allowed me to build the website so that visitors can easily find the creative classes, kits or supplies they are looking for through pages that look inviting and that showcase my members' talents. Kajabi also handles the membership, my mailing list and newsletters, the online community, taking payments, and it's where I host the Creativity Found Collective online meetups. If you're interested to learn more about how Kajabi can help you run and streamline your small business, you can find an affiliate link in the show notes and receive a 14-day free trial.